Blog Talk Radio. How are we doing? Welcome aboard. It's another evening, and it means it's another time for the Coast to Coast show, the Evening Ivory program. I'm your co-host, Andy Kimball. We have Lloyd Booker there on the East Coast. We've got Amanda Love in the UK, and we also have Cornell Butler, our executive producer, chiming in on the line as well. Busy week this week. We're covering the Republican National Convention, and uh, we're going to be playing the highlights on every show of the preceding evening's Republican Convention. And uh, we'll try to edit that down as best we can and uh, present you all the speeches and all the news that's fit to print. But before we proceed, I want to present to you our very special guest, Mr. Snidely Whiplash, very well-known author, commentator, Republican Party consultant. I want to get his opinion on how he feels the convention has started on day one anyway. Mr. Whiplash, how you doing? Welcome aboard. In a couple words, what are your feelings regarding the convention thus far? How do you feel about it? Oh, it's a disaster. Okay, I hate to stop you right there, but uh, we are trying to run a clean show here and, uh, you know, keep our comments positive as we did uh, toward the Democratic National Convention last week. And uh, that being said, uh, we're going to also present next a clip of a behind-the-scenes interview we happen to have uh, with uh, President Donald Trump when he was asked what he felt the most crucial matter and crisis facing America Today, what does he uh, dislike most about the, the most concerning issue of the day? I, I don't like chokeholds. And you get somebody in a chokehold, and you get somebody in a chokehold, and again, I'm not allowed to have you in a chokehold. So the chokehold thing is, is good. So let me get that clarified. So <laughs> Mr. Trump is, in the opinion, America is in a chokehold of sorts? I, I don't like chokeholds. Well, I don't either. That makes at least two of us. We have Lloyd Booker on the East Coast. Lloyd, you're chimed in, and how are we doing today? Well... Lloyd, wait, wait. I guess I guess uh, Lloyd is not. Uh, Lloyd, are you there? I don't think Lloyd's with us. We got Amanda. Amanda's there, right? Hey, I'm here. Hey, yeah, Amanda, you, how are you doing? I'm doing good, uh, darling. I think you need to call me Augustus today. <laughs> I think we're going to. You know, uh, Amanda, I want to thank you for setting up that UK Trump interview we have. Thank you for sending me that. I just have a small excerpt when he was asked about the Bible that he used for swearing in as candidate for the Republican nomination. Um, and thank you for setting that. But let's play that. Why have you on the line there? Uh, let's play this UK uh, Trump interview. Just an small excerpt, actually. Yeah, Donald, is it true you're not using mm. a Bible for the swearing-in ceremony? Nope. I'm using Art of the Deal. It's a tremendous book, and the sales for it are going to go absolutely through the roof, right? I don't know. I don't like when Donald swears. No, well, she doesn't like when I swear, but we're going to swear in, and I'm not going to curse. So. Uh, that's well, a beautiful thing. And, and Melania, every first lady has a cause. What will yours be? Women, women, children, humanity in general. Well, also something that I've suggested, I, starvation. I think starvation is very important, and she starves we herself. We said we're not going to talk about it. Well, you Come have on. to starve yourself so you can look hot. So she's going to starve herself and tell other women to starve themselves so they can look hot. That's tremendous. 
his oh, life. Interesting message. Uh, well, listen, uh, we know it, it, you've got a very, very busy uh, morning ahead of you. Uh, we hope yes, we so appreciate it. Amanda, thank you so much for setting that up for us. Uh, we, we, we definitely appreciate it. And how are you doing over there in the, in the UK? How's it going? How are you doing? Well, it, it's, it's good. It's a little windy over here. i got to admit, like 80 mile per hour winds today. It's like, woohoo. Do you have a kite? Uh, no. I wish I did. Oh, oh I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> It would have made things a bit more interesting. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So, Cornell, how are you, you doing, doing, man? Yeah, we're doing good. Doing we're doing great. fine. Here. We've had some, uh, yeah, we've had some uh, amazingly uh, almost desperate news here, as you probably may have heard. I think we talked about it briefly yesterday. Uh, on Sunday a, um, in Wisconsin, a guy was getting into his own vehicle, with the uh, three kids yeah. in the car after yeah. after you know he got out of the car to to try to uh, bust up a, a little argument between two women and so he yeah. got back into his car and a couple of police officers grabbed him thinking that think thinking that he was breaking into somebody else's car and they grabbed him mm-hmm. by the shirt and they went right up to his back and fired seven bullets into his body at point blank range Real, yeah that's, 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 that's and, and yeah and, and there's two questions if it were me would would I have been treated the same way? And we all know the answer to that. And the, the other, um, what had happened is he lived, okay? Uh, a One of the bullets shattered his spinal cord and vertebrae. He is now paralyzed from the waist down. Another bullet went into his, his GI, and they removed much of his small intestine and colon. Um, he's got liver oh and God. kidney damage. He's wow. living. He's in, as, we, as, as we do this show, he is in surgery right now. And and will survive with with many more surgeries ahead of him. Oh uh, he will be paralyzed from the waist down for the rest of his life. Wow. And um, wow. the, the police officers are administrative leave. I'm sure they will be fired. I'm sure they will be indicted. <clears throat> I'm sure they will be found guilty and spend the rest of their lives in prison. I don't know if Wisconsin has a death penalty or not, but I'm sure yeah. these police officers are, are are going to pay dearly for this, and not not only with their lives but also financially, as is the state of Wisconsin and the city in Wisconsin where this happened. Um, the, the only plus I can possibly think of, and there are no pluses, there are no pluses, but given the yeah. fact that there are no pluses, the only the only little bit of light, I don't know what you can call it, because there's nothing good out of, you know, for anybody, for anybody that's no good. For the police, this is no good. For, for the citizens of the United States, this is no good. For, for, for the racial injustices that have been exhibited, we thought, we thought George Floyd was enough. We, we thought, uh, my God, I, the list is getting longer and longer and longer. Um, and when, when's it going to stop? I mean, just it's just unbelievable. But the only glimmering little piece of light that could come out of this is this. A, that this man, Blake Jr., uh, what's his first name? I forgot. I'm sorry. but um, Isn't it Jacob anyway, Blake? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, he will I, – I mean, let's fast forward eh, three, four years. He will probably be a speaker at many conventions, at many schools, at many – you know, public gatherings, and will also probably be worth fifty to seventy million dollars. And, yeah. and I, I would not wish yeah. that on anybody. I'm, I he bet you know I would not trade that uh, for what no. he went through. But no. but you know maybe maybe you know I mean I'm fast forwarding. I mean he's got a lot of surgeries he, and the rehab that he's going to have ahead of him. He, he, you know. I can't imagine his small intestines and his colon removed. I don't know how they fix that or what they do to, I, I don't know, but, 
But anyway, this guy's never going to have a normal life ahead of him, and, and there's no money in the world that can, that can buy. And he's he's got three kids. Like, can you imagine his kid? I think the oldest one of which was five. And oh, was my his, God. The kid's, the kid's fifth birthday. It was on his fifth birthday. This Wasn't he in the back of the car? Wasn't he well, in the back, yeah, of, the back of the car? car and he saw the whole thing. Every birthday this kid has for the rest of his life, if he lives to 105, every yeah. single birthday he has. Can you imagine the trauma that this human being is going to experience as he grows up? Yeah. He's probably going to be scared birthday. of getting in the back of a car. This is a guy yeah. who's going to end up in psychotherapy for the rest of his life. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, the kind of anxiety that comes with that is is, is awful. It's it's unbelievable. And, and these yeah. cops, these let's say these cops, I'm sure they'll be found guilty and they'll be sentenced to probably life in jail, or whatever. But they're going to be they'll be in jail. They're going to be able to. You go to get an education, they'll play volleyball, they'll have a life in jail. And this mm-hmm. guy, you know, I don't know. And, you know, we, we got it, you know, somehow the, the human side of these stories somehow gets extracted and it becomes, oh, you know, March on Washington, oh, burn down buildings. Oh, you know, and then there was some, there was some peaceful protests during the day that became more mm-hmm. violent at night. And, of course, mm-hmm. the media loves to pick up on the violence. But here's here's the thing. And, and I remember having almost arguments with my 18-year-old daughter about this uh, when she was, in a way, not promoting violent protests but understood it and therefore was okay with it. And I'm like, how, how can you be, you know, with the burning, let's say, let's say your dad, let's say I owned a store and, you know, and something happened to somebody and, and these violent protesters broke in, all the glass came in and stole everything out of our store and it was our family business. So would that be okay to do? And her response was, and I didn't get it then, but I'm starting to get it now, um, is that what do we have to do to raise the public bar on this? What are we going to have to do to create change? Those protests have created change. Black Lives Matter has grown exponentially. It's been incredible. Um, yeah. And, and why? Why is it? Because of the protests. If it was just, yes. well, the police shot and killed a black guy, and the police got, you know, he was indicted, he's going to go to jail, nothing would change. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, and it's, and it's not just that it happens once, twice, or three times. It's happening for decades, and we, we went through this in yeah. the early 60s. We thought it was all done. It's not finished. Mm-hmm. And what do we yeah. need to do? What do we need to do as a society? I'm, I'm not condoning burning buildings, and, and, and believe me, I'm not. I'm not saying don't be violent, but I understand it. I mean, there comes a point where you say, you know what? What did we get the last 20 or 30 years? What have you done to us the last 20 years? Yeah. All right, so I break into yeah. a store, and you're complaining about it. Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about how many people have been killed by police officers who were unarmed in the back? Or been yeah. had to you know got pulled over by a cop and had to put their got asked to get out of the car and tossed up to the car and handcuffed not because they did anything wrong maybe they had a turn signal out but they looked at the cop the wrong way they said the wrong thing you know how, for how many decades do we have to put that with that as a society before somebody says enough is enough and what do we have to yeah. do as a society and that's to kind say, of scary that's scary that's very scary it is, it is. yeah. I think what isn't taken into consideration as well when people go on these protests, especially around this time since the whole coronavirus, is that people are taken to the streets with so much emotion and fear that has been yep. through all of these shootings and the, the racism that, that's going on and the fact that to stay locked in their homes, fearing mm-hmm. for their lives of this mass virus and you know at one point people got into the mob mentality because of being locked away for so long in their homes it kind of develops after i think it's three weeks two to three weeks two to three weeks yeah 
yeah, people start to go a little stir crazy. And um, I'm not condoning any of it either, but I understand a lot of people's frustrations towards government of, of not helping with the virus very well. And, you know, then you've got all of these terrible, tragic things going on as well. It's just, it's, it's, it's craziness. What are you looking at in the UK uh, regarding... Um, police violence, uh, white police officers harassing black civilians. Is, is a, I don't really hear much about that in the UK. I mean, that, that kind of thing does go on. It really does. Um, I don't think it's to the same extent as the US um, because of your law uh, with guns. Um, over here, it's more yeah. um, knives that are carried. And there's definitely um, targeting of black people. That, it, that definitely does go on over here. Um, this country is not much different in that respect. And I don't want to put too much out there of what I don't really know. That's not right for me to do so, but it does go on. Yeah, it also, um, police officers, normal street cops, for lack of a better word, they don't yeah. have guns in the UK. They, they carry the old, the night, they carry the sticks, right? They don't, they don't, the times, they don't carry guns, correct? That's right, yeah. It's usually in um, high-risk cases that you will see them with uh, that type of weapon, yeah. So, and also, is gun violence as, in, as a whole much less of a problem than it is here? I mean, just people shooting each other, just, just you know, gun violence in general. Um, gun violence is slowly becoming more of a problem. Um, it's being, they are being imported in some way. Um, it's mainly knife crimes that are the problem uh, I think London had statistics of uh, a higher murder rate than somewhere in the US I'm sure I read that somewhere within the last year mm. Do you think any of that has to do with what's going on in the United States is any of that just kind of carrying over from America is this the mode it's, in general the tone so to speak for lack of a better word it's possible, yes. I mean, you know, we see so much of it in our, our culture, in movies and, and TV series. And, you know, you got the, the whole, uh, like, being cool with uh, the mafia side of things, you know, being a gang leader and all that kind of stuff. And the gang violence over here is increasing um, at dramatic rates. And um, I'm not blaming America you know, it's, it's it's a possibility that that is a big part. Yeah, yeah, just something. And and I just wonder, you know, I was talking um, earlier today with some people about, you know, this, what we were just talking about, about the, you know, police violence, and it just seems to be more and more. And, and I, you know, I don't see how this is actually possible, but I, I got to think about it some more. That, hmm. you know, Trump, you know, the, one of the big, one of the big issues with President Trump is yeah. how he divided America and caused this hatred, this hate, this, you know, mm. you know the KKK with hoods were marching oh in Charleston. Yeah. And, and he said, they're very fine people there. And, and after he said that, and that was way back, you know, a couple of years ago. And I don't, nobody, and nobody should forget that he said that. Nobody should. You know, when, when you're talking about the KKK and, and with hoods who would just assume lynch or shoot or, or injure a black person just because they're black, and then the President of the United States says they're very fine people there. And mm, and how, yeah. how, how we as a – I don't care, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Socialist, Communist, whatever you might be, 
how somebody can condone that and just give them a pass and say, oh, that's okay. Oh, you said that. It's okay. What, what it also is, is somebody gives them a pass, it means they agree with it. There's right. no gray area. If you yeah. give them a pass, then you agree. Then you agree. Yeah. If, you, if you don't agree, then you got to speak up. Then we, then we, as a society, have to do something. It's our obligation to do something for the world, not just for America. For I agree world. with that. I agree with that. Yeah. And especially thinking of the world, I want to thank you know our our UK uh, listenership. Amanda um, is seven point eight percent of the population of our that's show awesome. right now. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And, awesome. yeah. and we are going to be sending some champagne around when it hits ten percent because that is a significant <laughs> number. And and oh, we're yeah. going to because of that we're going to and I want to and I think we need to um, cover more and more. Of, of the UK news of what's going on there because um, it does Absolutely. affect the world you know, you know the 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 the, uh, the euro the the environment the economics in the UK um, yeah. you know how they how the UK is you know of course all the countries there we can call this the states here you know how all the independent yeah. countries there handle the coronavirus and you look at where they're at right now in their lives versus where we are at right now in our lives um, yes. And you know, yes. it's funny. I, I've done a lot of business overseas. I, I had a, a business. I, I did. Uh, I developed. I've got two patents and um, developed a product and, and did business in forty countries around the world. That was one of my wow. one of my previous one of my previous careers. Um, wow. And I remember. And I, it was a time when I had a uh, a uh, one of our agents from Syria. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, he was from. Jordan. I think he's from Jordan. Mohammed Ayed. Yes. And awesome. another one of our agents from Israel. And I had them both in for dinner in Philadelphia uh, for one night for a meeting. And, uh, and you know, they thought I should be Secretary of State. This is what they This is what they, this is what they, <laughs> they Here's what we, wow. talk, here's what we talk about. Because we're talking about a, a somebody who comes from a, a country very anti-Jewish, very anti-Israel. And an Israeli businessman. These are all businessmen. We're three of us sitting at a very nice dinner. And w- one of our discussion topics over and above our business deals um, was, you know, here we are, all of us with young kids, all of us entrepreneurs, all of us trying to get ahead in life in the world. We want the best for our children and for that, that, that generation. We want, to make the, we want to be able to provide for our kids the best lives we can provide for our kids. That's what this is all about. Yeah. And that's why we're in business. And here we are, you know, with, with ideas and energy and, and innovation and what can we do and how can we better the world and how can we better our products and how can we create more opportunity. It doesn't matter what country you're from. We, you know, you believe what you want to believe. You believe what you want to believe. You can believe what you want to believe all in different corners of the world. How can we can't get together, decide here's the direct – we want to make the world a better place through innovation, through product development, through innovation, through exercising that amazing mind that we all have in our heads, that brain. Absolutely, why, yeah. Why can't we do that as a, as a world? And we can do it. We can do we it. We can, you know? yes. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and we sat there at this dinner meeting. And we started, you know, saying, you know, it's amazing. We, we all go home to our own, you know, I'm in the United States, obviously, but they go home to the countries and everybody's subject to the, what the government dictates. We're going to launch mortars into Israel, you know, wherever. We're going to do this. We're going to have a terrorist attack here. What? Don't have a terrorist attack. Let's talk business. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's, let's develop products together. Let's put a man on moon together. You know, let's do something. Let's do this together. You know, and yeah. and through and through business, 
got honey sounding Republican through business, through business, through business, <laughs> through entrepreneurship and through opportunity. We can make the world a better place because there's nothing, the energy and the, the, the excitement that from doing a, getting something done and, and going where no one is gone and, and, and raising yourself above that bar. Wow. Yes. Wow. I agree you with you. I mean, to bring people together for any common yeah. cause and you do yep. feel that energy and excitement and that drive yes. and that passion yes. and you connect better with these people. And it's just amazing to see it and feel that energy. Yes. Yes. It, it, it really is. But uh, again, you know, now that we solved the problems of the world, we got, um, uh, distracted from our promise to cover the GOP convention, but I think our discussion uh, from basically what just happened with uh, uh, in, in Wisconsin uh, Trump's mm. no pun intended um, Trump's <laughs> will play that. We we everybody want to hear that? Yay! Who does not want to hear it? I don't. I can't tell who won that. Um, it's a tie. We'll talk a little more, then we'll play it. I see what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the convention coverage will be cut short a little, or we'll have to play into the after show. You know, we have a, a two-hour program today, and I think my GOP edit is down to. One hour and 53 minutes. Oh, my goodness. So it's definitely going to run over. So those of you who are listening, if you really want to, and, and the, you know, this, the important speeches are at the end, uh, the, the notoriety, uh, Donald Trump uh, Jr. speech, um, Nikki Haley speeches towards the end. Uh, so there are some Vernon Jordan speech I think we'll hear, and he's the um, state legislator from Georgia. Oh, we're also going to hear from the uh, football great Herschel Walker. And there's just so many... And I heard this last night. By the way, we're playing we're playing speeches that I watched and listened to live and edited down. And blah, blah. I didn't edit the speeches, but I edited the program just to include the speeches. But when when I listened, there was such inaccuracies. Okay, I'll call them what they are. There were such lies. You know, it's, it's true. I mean, I could mm-hmm. try to be correct and try to be polite and try to say, yeah. oh, you know, he misspoke. Oh, he didn't mean to misspoke. He just misspoke. I'm sp- he didn't mean it. Um, let's just call it what it was, you know. And and there, there's a lot, like, for example, um, that uh, Joe Biden um, embraced the defunding of the police. He never, ever said he was always opposed to defunding the police. He said that. I don't. I'm, and, and that create, created a big stink in the Democratic Party because the progressive side of the party said, "Yeah, oh, you know, Sanders and uh, Warren, and, you know, defund the police. What they mean by defunding the police is not taking money away. It's just rechanneling that money to a different mm-hmm. department of the police that would, that would call a special unit to domestic disputes to handle it, you know, the professionally trained – Social workers, psychologists—you know, not obviously PhD psychologists, but people who have the appropriate training on how to handle a domestic dispute so somebody doesn't get killed as a result of it. The police pull out their guns or whatever, you know. And they, you know, so so we we need we need to retrain divisions of the police department yeah. to to make, to make them more you know adequate and more prepared to handle specific yeah. situations. And we yeah. need money to do that. So why don't we take some money from the department? And and put it back into the department, you know, put it back in there, 
but use it to train X amount of officers in how to handle domestic disputes and things like that. So when they happen, it's that group of police officers that respond. What is wrong with that picture? What is wrong with that but, picture? Knowing, knowing they always have backup. They always have backup. You know, if they need, if if they're, you know, if somebody pulls out a gun and blah blah blah. I understand yeah, it. I understand. Yeah. But yeah. but in the meantime, hand, you know, there's ways to handle these situations where they don't escalate. If you put a guy in there, a police officer, and he pulls a gun, instant escalation. Things happen that don't need to happen that shouldn't have happened. And so yeah. when we talk about defunding the police, we're talking about funding that training. Yeah. I agree. It's you know the the way George Floyd died was it disturbed me so much. I mean it really disturbed me. Um, so all this for Jacob, wow, it's taken everything to a new level. It really has. Yeah, it really has. And I was just told here uh, by our senior intern that um, that also uh, some of that defunding money was going to be used to put into community programs other than the police separate separate so i stand you know uh, corrected on that that it's not just going to be put back into the police as to to train officers but actually going to be used to fund different community programs some of which exist now on a small level that need more money to have a more prominent stance and some that will be created depending on where you live you know and uh, so anyway getting back to you know, Biden never said I'm. I'm hey, sometimes I would think like every three months or every four months, you think a police officer sees psychiatrist, psychologist, or something like that, psychiatrist. That's yeah. A good, good point. Good point. Right. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of stress with that job. You know what I mean? It's it's of a course. lot. Of stress. Sometimes you need somebody to talk to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe that's a, something that they should do. I mean, I've seen, you know, you, again, referring back to movies, forgive me for this, but, you know, you see it in movies that they send a cop to go and see a psychologist if he's been, uh, you know, causing problems for the force. And I just think making that a regular thing would be amazing. Like, I yeah, think... three months, that, you know, because they dealing with a lot of different, you know, different yes. people every day. You yes. know, you might find a... You might see a good guy... You might see a bad guy, you might see a good, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of situations that could deal with your mental, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the same needs to be applied. I personally, to uh, soldiers, when they come out of the forces, I don't think there's enough help for them either, um, but that's a whole other kettle of fish, right? <laughs> oh, my. It is. What do you it think, is. Andy? What do you think? Well, I think I need another margarita. <laughs> Let me go in the refrigerator and get one. <laughs> yes, <please. laughs> yes. Anyway, um, yeah. I, I, well, what we need to do, I think, now is is try to is we'll get back on track here of uh, what we promised we would do. This what is today? Tuesday, right? Yes. And this is a bonus show. Yeah. This is being a bonus show because normally in the month of August, from Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and recovering both the Democratic and Republican conventions, which means we are daily once again. And uh, just so we can provide that coverage. And for those of you who missed the speeches and the pageantry, well, we cut out a lot of pageantry. But the speeches and the highlights of the conventions, we're going to have it for you every day here on the Coast to Coast show. So um, let me, if there's anything, um, I mean, we could, our number here is 515-605-9888. 
And if anybody wants to chime in, you're certainly welcome to do so. Obviously, I'm not showing any desperation to start running the GOP convention. So I'll sing you a song. La, 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 any fans out there at all? I knew I did somewhere. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Andy, can you, yeah. I'm going to ask you a question. You could call Lloyd up, can't you? In the studio? I could, but do I want to? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> no, I love Lloyd. Lloyd and I, Lloyd and I we go way back. Yeah. Yeah, um, he's a good yeah, guy. That's my yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's good. And quite, I must, you know, now he's on the line, I can tell the folks uh, without giving him a nice swollen head. Um, he's pretty accomplished as an actor, folks. He's pretty, he's pretty funny. He's done a lot of uh, like commercials and indie films and been in little programs here and there. And um, pretty, pretty talented guy. But anyway, I'm just going to say that for right now. But that's that's who we have the uh, the honor of having on the other coast. Uh, now, and also I should mention that Amanda is going to be a regular contributor here now on the Coast to Coast show, and we thought about, well, does that mean we have to change the name of the program, the global this or whatever? And we, that's right, and my intern just said no. In the background there, you may have heard that, but the coast, what happens is the coast just got bigger. That's all. Yes. <laughs> it got, it got global. <laughs> and Banda, are you, you're, you're, there, you're there, you're pretty close to the Riviera, right? Uh, yes. Are you near on the beach? Um, we have uh, coastal uh, parts all around the UK, so yeah, I'm about an hour and forty-five minutes away from a beach. Is that is that would that be the Riviera? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, just, just you know, I thought maybe you know, kind of something. Wow, you know, Amanda love calling from the Riviera. Uh, well, all right. Be beautiful. So, you know, it'd be beautiful, wouldn't it? Yeah, I've never been. I heard, I heard things. Um, anyway, um. So I think what we need to do now is um, is start um, our coverage of the GOP convention. As promised, we'll play the highlights um, from day one, and uh, tomorrow tune in also at five o'clock uh, Pacific time for day two, which is happening as we speak, just about. And we'll go ahead it's and. Uh, UK. What's the what's the UK time? Amanda. Was there eight hours? Eight hours. What is it there? Like one thirty in the it's, morning. Eight. Uh, it's spot on. One thirty in the morning. Yes. God, I'm good. Wow. God, yeah. God, when good. you asked me right. what day it was, I was almost tempted to say, "Oh, it's Wednesday for me." But. <laughs> yeah, it's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Wow. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, a couple of plugs real quick. Next week we have Mr. Ford Myers, who's a, a, a highly regarded career consultant. He's got. He's an author, published. Several books, uh, articles, YouTube channel, um, and he is a consultant in, and talks to uh, people who have been downsized from large corporations and losing their jobs in the middle of their lives. You know, the mortgage, the kids, the whole thing. You know, twenty-year career doing something for some big company, and suddenly the company says, "Sorry, no more." And these folks have to totally do a shift in their life and, and prepare for a whole new career doing something else. And that's what he does. Also prepares people who are having just a tough time getting ahead he doesn't do resumes you know but he's you know professional consults professionals and he's going to join us on the show next week i think next wednesday and talk to us about in the midst of this pandemic 
how do you get a job? I, I'm asking you that myself. I'm looking yeah. at I'm looking at I'm looking at Kmart myself. Anyway, um, so, <laughs> Target, I, Walmart. I, I, Target. I need to ask if my resume would get me in there. You know, like what, how how should I prepare my interview? You know, I'm also getting I'm also I'm also I've also been practicing. Would you like fries with that? Like you know, I'm, I'm practicing that. You know, oh. bacon bits. <laughs> or bacon bits. Bacon bits. Bacon yeah, bits. yeah, yeah. There we go. I'm up for the bacon right, anyway, bits. Yeah, so Amanda, you're doing well there. You're doing okay. Yeah. Everything yeah, going yeah. good. You're safe. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. Yeah. And uh, Cornell, you're doing all right. I'm doing awesome, man. With Martini, I'm doing great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> well, let's start. Let's start day. Uh, what day did I say it was? Day one. I have it queued up here somewhere. Here it is. This will be it. Day one coverage. Oh, you know what? I think we made some time at the end of the show. It's why is fifty. No, here it is. I think we're okay. I think we're going to. Um, I just looked at the, uh, the what I've got queued up here, and it looks like this is going to be 35 minutes. We've got an hour and 27 minutes left of the show, so let's go ahead and play this now. I'm not sure where it's going to fall in, folks, but here's day one coverage. This is the GOP convention, and all due courtesy and respect to the Republicans, as we did for the Democrats, we're going to play this. And uh, and thanks for tuning in to the Coast to Coast show. We have Amanda Love in the UK. We got Cornell Butler, who's our producer on the East Coast, and we're going to now provide you the GOP day one coverage. Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast, folks. Thank you. And on behalf of everyone in our party and President Trump, thank you for tuning in as we kick off this historic convention. As we speak to you tonight, we send our thoughts and prayers to those facing terrible fires in California, recovering from storms in Iowa, and preparing for hurricanes in Louisiana and the Gulf Coast. Democrats started their convention last week with Eva Longoria, a famous Hollywood actress who played a housewife on TV. Well, I'm actually a real housewife and a mom from Michigan with two wonderful kids in public school who happens to be the only, only the second woman in 164 years to run the Republican Party. And unlike Joe Biden, President Trump didn't choose me because I'm a woman. He chose me because I was the best person for the job. Four years ago, President Trump started a movement unlike any other. And over the next four days, we will hear from a few of the millions of hardworking, everyday Americans who have benefited from his leadership. If you watched the DNC last week, you probably noticed that Democrats spent a lot of time talking about how much they despise our president. But we heard very little about their actual policies. Policies that would have been unthinkable a decade ago. Policies like banning fossil fuels, eliminating private health insurance, taxpayer-funded health care for people who come here illegally, and defunding the police. Their argument for Joe Biden boiled down to the fact that they think he's a nice guy. Well, let me tell you, raising taxes on 82% of Americans is not nice. Eliminating 10 million good-paying oil and gas jobs is not nice. Policies that force jobs to flee our country or allow abortion up until the point of birth are not nice. The truth is, there's only one person who has empathized with everyday Americans and actually been fighting for them over the past four years, and that is President Donald Trump.
In the nearly four years I've worked on behalf of President Trump, I've seen up close a man who has a deep love for family, a man who has reverence for the office of the presidency, a man with an incredible respect for law enforcement and our military. I've seen private moments where he comforts Americans in times of pain and sadness. Now everyone knows he can be tough. He's tough when he takes on China, tough when he works to fix our unfair trade deals, tough when he fights to secure our borders. President Trump is always going to be tough when he is fighting for the American people because nice guys like Joe cared more about countries like China and Iran than the United States of America. Tonight begins a new chapter in the great American story, a story that has inspired the world for generations. And when we reelect President Trump this November, the best is yet to come. This election is the most important in our lifetime. Your vote counts more than ever. If you want to check your voting status, secure your ballot, or register to vote, text VOTE to 88022. Earlier today, President Trump and Vice President Pence came to North Carolina to thank our delegates for unanimously renominating them to a second term. Our official roll call and the business of our Republican convention was conducted today in Charlotte. We have created a short video to symbolize the excitement for President Trump across all 50 states and territories. Thank you for watching. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Well, hi, folks. Andy Kimball here, co-host of the Coast to Coast Show. Ebony Ivory, just going to cut in here briefly to let you know that the the convention actually um, went... uh, on Monday morning, they did the roll call. We're not going to play that on the show, just in the interest of time. Uh, but he, uh, Donald Trump was, um, did become, shall I say, the official Republican nominee for President of the United States uh, for the November 3rd election. So we're going to bypass the uh, the roll call. Last night's uh, convention, shall we say, was really um, a pre-recorded, uh, for the most part, a pre-recorded uh, campaign commercial produced by the Republican National Committee and the Trump campaign. And they featured various speakers, of which we're going to hear from um, on this show here um, immediately following my message. So let's uh, let's go ahead and continue on with the coverage of the uh, Republican um, convention, and uh, we'll uh, come back in. There's a few things that we need to correct that you'll hear later on. I'm going to I'm going to chime in again, and uh, Trump made some uh, some big errors. So what else is new that we need to correct here in the interest of your own safety and health and, and fact checking? So we'll get to that. So stay tuned. And in the meantime, uh, again, here is, uh, let's get back to our program. When the China virus invaded our country, we launched the greatest mobilization of American society since World War II. Patriots of every race, color, and creed rallied together to defeat the invisible enemy and save the lives of their fellow citizens. Today, our hearts overflow with appreciation for the incredible frontline workers who risk their own health and safety to keep America strong and safe. When crisis came, millions of everyday Americans rose to the challenge. In their actions, we see true greatness of the American character. We always find a way to victory. History will remember and celebrate the heroes of 2020 for as long as our great American flag waves over the land that we love. 
To every frontline worker, I offer the salute of a nation that is forever in your debt. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. These are my friends. These are the incredible workers that helped us so much with the COVID. Uh, we can call it many different things from China virus. I don't want to go through all the names because some people may get insulted, but that's the way it is. These are great, great people, doctors, nurses, uh, firemen, uh, policemen. We want to thank you all. You've been incredible, and we want to thank you and all of the millions of people that you represent. Thank you all very much. Great job. Thank you. Thank you all very much. So tell me a little about your stories. How about we'll start with you? I'm a postal worker. Delivered to senior community during COVID-19. Good. And we're taking good care of our postal workers. Absolutely. That I can tell you. <laughs> Believe me, we're not getting rid of our postal workers, you know. They'd like to sort of put that out there. If anyone does, it's the Democrats, not the Republicans. I want to thank you very much and thank everybody in that whole beautiful post office system. We appreciate it. Thank you. How about you? I'm a trucker. Good. I own a small business in Ohio. Great. Uh, hauling steel mostly. Um, you know, some of our customers actually made hospital beds with uh, some oh, wow. material. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations. I love the truckers. You know, they're on my side. Thank you. I think all of them, frankly. I think pretty much all of them. How about you? I'm a custodian at the post Great. office as well. What do you do exactly? Clean up everybody's you know? mess and everybody's germs and all that. Can I say that that world, that profession will never be out of business. You yeah, know that, right? Sure. Thank you very much for being here. Thank, Thank you. And how about you? Um, I'm a registered nurse, President Good. Trump. I uh, work at a New Jersey hospital. It's called Virtual Willingboro Hospital. Right. Um, I also represent an organization of professional nurses. It's called the National Association of Catholic Nurses. Very good. But I want to tell you, sir, as a nursing supervisor, I am so in awe of your leadership. Honestly, uh, I know many people have said often interesting things, but it takes a true leader to be able to ignore all that stuff and do what is right and not be offended by all the words being said. Yeah. And you really do show that positive spirit to us. And as nurses, I appreciate that. But just as an individual, I'm grateful for that. Well, I'm for the nurses. I'm for the doctors. I'm for everybody. We just have to make this China virus go away, and it's happening. Please, go ahead. Uh, I'm also a nurse. I represent Genesis Healthcare, which is a skilled nursing facility oh, sure. company. Um, I want to thank you and your administration for all the supplies and support and right. funding that you've given the skilled nursing units. Um, without that, we couldn't do as well as we have done. Um, I spent some time in New Jersey. I live in West Virginia. went to New Jersey and, and did some work there. And we finally started to see things change and turn around. I appreciate what you said because we have delivered billions of dollars of equipment that governors were supposed to give, and in many cases, they didn't get. So the federal government had to help them, and all of the people that did this incredible work, they never got credit for it. But you understand where it came from. Thank you very much. Thank you both. It's really nice. Please, go ahead. I'm a police officer in Inglewood, Colorado, and I contracted COVID in late March and recovered. That means we don't have to be afraid of you at all. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Once you're recovered, you know, we have the whole thing with plasma happening. Mm -hmm. That means your blood is very valuable. You know that, right? <laughs> Thank you very much. Great. Please. I'm a detention deputy at the Kern County Sheriff's Department out in California. Great. And uh, I also contracted COVID um, into March and recovered from that also. How long was your problem? Um, I was sick about 10 days, really bad. I got everything besides the cough, um, but recovered. I was off work for a month and a half, 
and I work in our local county jails. Did they do anything specifically to help you recover? They gave me z packs medication, cough syrup. Okay, and I won't even ask you about the hydroxychloroquine. Because, <laughs> It's a shame what they've done to that one, but, but I took it. I took the z pack also and zinc. I want to thank you all very much. It's an honor to have you in the White House. You're fantastic people, and the people you represent, you represent an incredible group of people, and uh, we love you all. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Good evening. Hey, folks, I'm going to jump in here just for a second uh, to address not only uh, COVID-19, but also uh, Trump's protection of the postal workers and uh, wanting to take care of them. The reason that's in the news and that's in this Republican show tonight is because the president's postmaster general recently having instituted changes in the post office that has created real problems, not just threats, but material delays for the mail service all across the United States. People not being able to get their medications on time, live animals that are shipped to the mail that end up dead at various post office facilities. Those changes were made by the Trump administration, and for them to be bragging about protecting the post office and the postal workers and the mail service is totally yes backwards. And folks, information has actually come from within the postal service, whistleblowers within the postal service. They're crying out, saying, look at these packages piling up all over this country especially in rural areas, people are desperate to get their Medicare, their Social Security checks, their uh, prescription pharmaceuticals that arrive by mail. I'm just really surprised to see this uh, as opposed to caring for frontline workers. He's commanding this entire operation from inside the White House. It's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty despicable in my opinion, but I just want to break in and state what the facts are um, according to what he just stated in his address. Let's continue. Oh, you know, before we do, to that end, one of the people who just told the president that she had COVID and she's recovered, the president said to her then, we don't have to be afraid of you then, but they're advancing the theory that if you get COVID once, you won't get it twice. That's totally untrue. As a matter of fact, it's been reported in in several countries that folks have had rebounds of COVID-19. So, uh, you know, he, he, he's speaking way out of turn, way out of line. He doesn't know. He doesn't know the facts. Furthermore, uh, another correction, there is no scientific data uh, supporting the effectiveness of the convalescent plasma uh, as a cure-all for COVID-19 for severely affected patients. Um, it has shown to be effective. Uh, they've treated over 60,000 um, subjects or patients, uh, with some positive result, but it, there's no, there's been no blind study, there's been no data collection, there's nothing to support uh, if it's effective, how it's effective, when it's effective, who who is it better uh, served by, who's better served by receiving it. We don't know these things. There's no data to support it, um, and that's why he uh, he you know he he went on to um, authorize the use of it uh, through emergency authorization. But again, I want to be clear that there is no scientific data that supports its effectiveness. There's real-world documentation. There's a lot to be said for that. Don't get me wrong. And the fact that uh, that over 60,000 patients have been uh, treated with this convalescent plasma um, speaks volumes uh, of potential success. So that's, you know, the truth behind it. It's just that there is no uh, typically collected uh, collaborative data to support its use. 
Now let's get back to the convention and hear from football great Herschel Walker. Most of you know me as a football player, but I'm also a father, a man of faith, and a very good judge of character. I've known Donald Trump for 37 years, and I don't mean just casual ran into him from time to time. I'm talking about a deep personal friendship. I watched him as an owner of a professional football team. Right after he bought the team, he set out to learn. He learned about the history of the team, the players, the coaches, every detail. Then he used what he learned to make the team better. I watched him in the boardroom. He can be in the middle of a big meeting, but if one of the kids was on the phone, he dropped everything to take the call. He taught me that the family should be your top priority. I watched him treat janitors, security guards, and waiters the same way he would treat a VIP. He made them feel special because he knew they were. He understands that they are the people who make this country run. They clean, they cook, they build, they drive, they deliver. He told me, Herschel, make an effort to get to know people. Remember their names. That stuck with me. One time, I planned to take his kids to Disney World with my family. At the last minute, Donald said he'd like to join us. So they was in a business suit on uh, It's a Small World Ride. That was something to see. It just shows you what a caring, loving father he is. It hurt my soul to hear the terrible names that people call Donald. The worst one is racist. I take it as a personal insult that people would think I've had a 37-year friendship with the racist. People who think that don't know what they're talking about. Growing up in the Deep South, I've seen racism up close. I know what it is, and it isn't Donald Trump. Just because someone loves and respects the flag, our national anthem, and our country doesn't mean they don't care about social justice. I care about all those things. So does Donald Trump. He shows how much he cares about social justice in the black community through his actions, and his actions speak louder than stickers or slogans on a jersey. He keeps right on fighting to improve the lives of black Americans and all Americans. He worked night and day. He never stops. He leaves nothing on the field. Some people don't like his style, the way he knocks down obstacles that get in the way of his goals. People on the opposing team didn't like when I ran over them either, but that's how you get the job done. I pray every night that God gives him more time. Give him four more years. He has accomplished so much almost all by himself on a constant attack, but there's still more work to be done. If you love America and want to make it better, Donald Trump is your president. He's my president, and I'm blessed to call him friend. Well, folks, we're pleased to be able to present uh, coverage of the Republican National Convention, but at the same time, we also must uh, present correct information, especially when it comes to your health and safety. We heard the president state that he regularly uh, took hydroxychloroquine, ZPAC, zinc, um, and as a preventative, I assume, for COVID-19 to prevent one from getting it. He's never been diagnosed with it as far as we know. But I think what we need to do is spell the truth regarding the use of hydroxychloroquine, ZPAC, and so forth. So we're going to play a clip uh, from Dr. Vin Gupta from uh, MSNBC. He's a, a, a pulmonologist and a global health expert with the University of Washington. And I think it's important that we uh, hear what he has to say because we don't want to present any misleading information, especially of the medical variety here. 
Again, this is Vin Gupta, pulmonologist, and uh, he's from the University of Washington Health Medical Center. Anybody listening, there is no pill you can take, hydroxychloroquine or azithromycin, an, uh, an antibiotic, or a vitamin like zinc, to protect you from infection with COVID-19. And what I'll quickly say is that these hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin have been studied amongst inpatients with COVID-19. And actually, those that get the dual, both of those drugs do worse than if you get nothing at all. Mm. So you actually have worse outcomes if you get both drugs versus nothing at all. So we're worried that this could be a harmful regimen. It's why the president should not be making light of it and or joking about it. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. You tell them, Peter Finch from Network there, men as hell, not going to take it anymore, especially when they start spewing incorrect information. Um, I hate to keep cutting in like this, but we, uh, if we need to, we need to, and we'll continue to do so. When something's misstated or falsified, uh, not fact-checked, unreal, we're going to make it real for you right here on Coast to Coast. Let's listen to Vernon Jordan. He is a Georgia state he senator. had 47 years to produce results. But he's been all talk and no action, just like so many of the Democrats who've been making promises to the black voters for decades. We've been their captive audience. When President Trump sought to earn the black vote, the Democratic Party leaders went crazy. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer literally started wearing kente cloths around the, the, the U.S. Capitol as if pandering were enough to keep us satisfied. Let me tell you why I'm supporting our president. I grew up in the South, in Laurel Hill, North Carolina, Scotland County, the Green Pond community to be exact. My parents, Robin and Rufa Jones, built with their own hands a four-room cinder-block home with no indoor plumbing. They had very limited education, but they instilled in us a strong work ethic that drove me from those tobacco fields of North Carolina to those hallowed halls of the Georgia General Assembly. My parents taught me if I believed in God, worked hard, and treated every person fairly, there was no limit to what we could achieve. I attended North Carolina Central University, an historical black college. For generations, HBCUs have been the incubators that develop black scholars in math and science and religion, engineering and politics. They have been important springboards for the black success. But Democrats haven't treated them that way. When President Trump took office, he changed everything. He delivered historic funding to HBCUs, and he guaranteed it for 10 years, something that has never happened in the history of this country. That gave our HBCUs stability, the chance to grow, and produce the next generation of black leaders. That's right, Donald Trump did that. He's also supported school choice to ensure that no child, no matter their race or zip code, is left behind. Every child should have access to a quality education. But education is just the beginning. The president also built the most inclusive economy ever with record low unemployment for African Americans and record high participation in the workforce. He put opportunity zones in the Trump tax bill that would drive investment into our communities for decades to come. He put the interests of American workers and especially black workers first. That's right, Donald Trump 
did that. He delivered historic criminal justice reform. He ended once and for all the policy of incarceration of black people, which has decimated our communities caused by no other than Joe Biden. Democrats wouldn't do it. Obama didn't want to do it. And Joe Biden and Kamala Harris definitely wouldn't do it. But Donald Trump did it. He's also working every day to make our community safer. As a former executive of DeKalb County, Georgia, I directed one of the largest public safety departments in the Southeast. I've seen tragic shootings on both sides. Officers killing citizens and citizens killing officers in the line of duty. Police officers are our fellow citizens. They live in our country. They have families too. They live in our communities. Unfortunately, Democrats have turned their backs on our brave police officers. They call it defunding. And it's a danger to our cities, our neighborhoods, and our children. Isn't it ironic that Democrat politicians have personal security to protect them? So why don't they forego their security and replace them with social workers, especially since that's what they want for you and me? Our police need more funding, not less, for frequent psychological examinations, for non-lethal remote restraint technology, and for more de-escalation and use of force training. These are the common sense solutions that President Trump supports, true, sincere police reform. That's right, Donald Trump did that too. Education, jobs, safety, security, on issue after issue, and in just a single term, he destroyed these negative forces that have victimized the black community for decades. He gave us the opportunity to rise. Now, you know, when I made the public announcement of my support for President Trump, all hell broke loose. I was threatened, called an embarrassment, and asked to resign by my own party. Unfortunately, that's consistent with the Democratic Party and how they view independent thinking black men and women. But I'm here to tell you that black voices are becoming more woke and louder than ever. The Democratic Party has become infected with a pandemic of intolerance, bigotry, socialism, anti-law enforcement bias, and a dangerous tolerance for people who attack others, destroy their property, and terrorize our own communities. That's what this election is all about. And that's why right now, more than ever, more than ever before, America needs Donald Trump in the Oval Office for another four years. God bless you, and vote Donald J. Trump. Thank you. In 2018, a gunman walked into Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and changed my life forever. My name is Andrew Pollock, 
his name isn't worth saying. One of the seniors walking in the hallways that day was my beautiful daughter, Meadow. She was just months away from graduating and beginning a new life. We were so proud of the woman she had become. But in the hallway on that third floor, the gunman saw Meadow and shot her down the hallway, hitting her four times. After she was shot and on the floor, she crawled over to another student, a freshman girl, to protect her. She draped her body over her, and then the scumbag gunman shot my daughter at point-blank range five more times, killing Meadow and the girl she was shielding. She had a whole life ahead of her, and in that life, she could have done anything and been anything. So many moments that I waited so long for were taken from me. I didn't get to drop her off at college. I didn't get to walk her down the aisle. But every moment was taken from her, and for what? I never wanted this to become a political spectacle, but it did. I never wanted to meet the president like this, but I did. I was invited to the White House. The truth is, I had just buried my daughter that week. I really wasn't interested in public events like a tour or a photo op. I was interested in answers and solutions. So if the president wanted to meet me personally, I said I'd go. They said, of course, that was his plan. At the White House, my family and I sat with the president in the Oval Office and told him about Meadow. I told him what we knew. I told him that his administration needed to take a closer look at what went wrong and why. And I got to see who President Trump really is. He's a good man and a great listener, and he cuts through the BS. Then the president did what he said he would do. He took action. He formed a school safety commission that issued dozens of recommendations to make schools safer. But I'll bet you never heard about that. Instead, the media turned my daughter's murder into a coordinated attack on President Trump, Republicans, and our Second Amendment. In fact, when President Trump asked me and other parents of children that were murdered in school shootings to join him as he announced the commission's findings, the media's first question wasn't about protecting kids. Shockingly, they asked about the government shutdown. President Trump turned to me appalled and said, Andy, can you believe these people? We're trying to talk about school safety, and this is what they do. But I could believe it. After my daughter's murder, the media didn't seem interested in the facts. So I found them myself. I learned that gun control laws didn't fail my daughter. People did. The gunman had threatened to kill his classmates before. He had threatened to rape them. He had threatened to shoot up the school. Every red flag you could imagine. But the school didn't just miss these red flags. They knowingly ignored them. Far-left Democrats in our school district made this shooting possible because they implemented something they called restorative justice. This policy, which really just blames teachers for students' failures, puts kids and teachers at risk and makes shootings more likely. But it was billed as a pioneering approach to discipline and safety. I was just fine with the old approach to discipline and safety. It was called discipline and safety. But the Obama-Biden administration took Parkland's bad policies and forced them into schools across America. 
When President Trump rescinded Obama's guidance on restorative justice policies, he put an end to that. And that meant the world to me. It's hard to tell how much Mr. Biden understands about what happened at Parkland. Mr. Biden has campaigned on bringing back restorative justice as part of, as part of his unity platform with Bernie Sanders and has pledged to implement in school districts across America. But he doesn't even seem to know when the shooting happened. He said that he was vice president when it happened, but he wasn't. Mr. Biden may not know when my daughter was murdered, but I do. February 14, 2018. Mr. Biden may not know that these policies make shootings more likely, but I do. Mr. Biden may not know who was vice president that day, but I do. It wasn't Joe Biden. It was Mike Pence. Thank God. And I know who the president wait, was. Wait, too. wait, wait, wait. I just hear him say that uh, Joe Biden wasn't vice president when his daughter was killed. It was Mike Pence. And also the, uh, the Trump administration had been in office for two years at the time his daughter was killed. Okay, just, just making note of that. That's all. Let's continue. It wasn't Barack Obama. It was President Donald J. Trump. And he took action. I truly believe the safety of our kids depends on whether this man is reelected. I hope you'll join me in helping to make that happen. Mr. President, myself and millions of Americans appreciate you and love you. God bless America and God bless our president, Donald J. Trump. Thank you. A cartoon on effect for the city of St. Louis. Protests in St. Louis turned violent. Mark McCloskey says he and his family have been threatened with violence. Under Missouri law, you have a right to defend your home and the lives of your family. A search warrant has been executed at the home of Mark and Patricia McCloskey. The husband and wife attorneys charged with pointing guns at protesters. They were simply trying to protect their home. Good evening, America. We are Mark and Patty McCloskey. We're speaking to you tonight from St. Louis, Missouri, where just weeks ago you may have seen us defending our home as a mob of protesters descended on our neighborhood. America is such a great country that not only do you have the right to own a gun and use it to defend yourself, but thousands of Americans will offer you free advice on how to use it. At least that's what we experienced. What you saw happen to us could just as easily happen to any of you who are watching from quiet neighborhoods around our country. And that's what we want to speak to you about tonight. That's exactly right. Whether it's the defunding of police, ending cash bail so criminals can be released back out on the streets the same day to riot again, or encouraging anarchy and chaos on our streets, it seems as if the Democrats no longer view the government's job as protecting honest citizens from criminals, but rather protecting criminals from honest citizens. Not a single person in the out-of-control mob you saw at our house was charged with a crime. But you know who was? We were. They've actually charged us with felonies for daring to defend our home. On top of that, consider this. The Marxist liberal activist leading the mob to our neighborhood stood outside our home with a bullhorn screaming, you can't stop the revolution. Just weeks later, that same Marxist activist 
won the Democrat nomination to hold a seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. In the city of St. Louis, that's the same as winning the general election. That Marxist revolutionary is now going to be the congresswoman from the 1st District of Missouri. These radicals are not content with marching in the streets. They want to walk the halls of Congress. They want to take over. They want power. This is Joe Biden's party. These are the people who will be in charge of your future and the future of your children. They're not satisfied with spreading the chaos and violence into our communities. They want to abolish the suburbs altogether by ending single-family home zoning. This forestry zoning would bring crime, lawlessness, and low-quality apartments into now-thriving suburban neighborhoods. President Trump smartly ended this government overreach, but Joe Biden wants to bring it back. These are the policies that are coming to a neighborhood near you. So make no mistake, no matter where you live, your family will not be safe in the radical Democrats' America. At this moment in history, if you stand up for yourself and for the values our country was founded on, the mob, spurred on by their allies in the media, will try to destroy you. You've seen us on your TV screens and Twitter feeds. You know that we're not the kind of people who back down. Thankfully, neither is Donald Trump. President Trump will defend the God-given right of every American to protect their homes and their families. But more than that, Trump's vision for America is a country where you have an opportunity to work hard and build the life you dream of with a job you love, with your children being educated in great schools, in a community where your family can play in the back church without shame and express your beliefs without retribution. Trump brought us the greatest economy our country had ever seen. The Democrats have brought us nothing but destruction. When we don't have basic safety and security in our communities, we'll never be free to build a brighter future for ourselves, for our children, or for our country. That's what's at stake in this election, and that's why we must reelect Donald Trump. God bless you. God bless the president. And, and God, God bless, bless these United States. States. That was the McClaskeys. I'm here to help us digest some of the um, uh, blatantly false things they had to say there is our friend Claire McCaskill, who also hails from the great state of Missouri. Claire, what would you think? Claire, we're going to... Oh, there you are. Start, start yeah, over, let's, let's start with a, okay, let, I really don't know where to start, but let me start with the law. In Missouri, you can sit on your front porch with a gun and watch a parade go by. But if you get up off your porch and you go down and start waving the gun and pointing it to people at people in the parade, that's called brandishing. Now, substitute peaceful protesters walking in the street for a parade. And the same law applies. So the jury's question will be, was their fear reasonable? And, um, you know, the facts are in dispute, but we do know this. We know that they brought the guns out and the people were not on their property. They were in the street and on the sidewalks. We know that this is not a private street because you can drive in on these streets anytime you want. Um, and so it is really um, – and the other thing you should know about these people, they've sued everyone, everyone and their brother. 
for their entire legal careers, their neighbors, uh, their employers, their tenants. They even destroyed a beehive of the Jewish children at the Jewish temple next door because it was they thought it was too close to their property. Took an axe out. These children had a beehive so they could make honey for Rosh Hashanah. That's the kind of guys these folks are. In addition, they own thousands of dollars of back taxes. So that's the McCloskey. Appreciate the commentary on that, MSNBC. We're going to get to back to the program now and hear uh, Steve Scalise. He's a number three sitting Republican in the House. And uh, let's hear, uh, we'll chime in on him right now. Steve Scalise. In America, to leave to our children and grandchildren without those brave law enforcement officers and first responders. Joe Biden's made a career in Washington for 47 years, promising things he's never delivered. In just three short years, President Trump has delivered huge wins for American families. While Joe Biden made hollow promises when he chaired the Senate Judiciary Committee, Donald Trump took action and delivered criminal justice reform. Joe Biden claims to care about the working man, but millions of good manufacturing jobs were shipped overseas during the Obama-Biden years to countries like China. Donald Trump brought those jobs back. I've seen how deeply President Trump cares about rebuilding our evaporating middle class. President Trump pledged to give the forgotten men and women of America a real shot at the American dream. And again, he delivered. The lowest unemployment rate in over 50 years, women creating small businesses at record pace, wages rising, the fastest, by the way, for lowest income levels. What can Joe Biden say to that? What has Joe Biden done in his 47 years in Washington that can compare to that? President Trump has delivered for the hardworking people of this great nation. It's going to take that kind of bold leadership to get us out of this COVID crisis. After President Trump saved lives by shutting down flights from China and Europe, he's now focusing the full weight of the government on a revolutionary plan to cure this virus by cutting red tape and empowering scientists to create a vaccine. This is visionary leadership in action at a time when we can't afford another 47 years of hollow promises. America's been through tough times before. Who better to lead us out of these times than the president who already built the strongest economy our country has ever seen? Donald Trump did it before. Donald Trump will deliver for us again. God bless you and God bless these United States of America. I'm Sean Parnell, and it is an honor to be here. In 2006, the Army sent me to Afghanistan as a young platoon leader placed in command of Americans from every corner of our planet. Our platoon reflected the diversity of our nation, every race, creed, and religion. Despite those differences, we were bound together as brothers from the same American family. On June 10, 2006, our platoon was attacked just after dawn. Outnumbered 10 to 1, we endured mortar and machine gun fire as hundreds of Taliban charged us from three sides. We had 24 men that day. Wave after wave of Taliban advanced up the hill. I was wounded three times in the fighting. Nearly all of my platoon was wounded within the first minute, but the enemy kept coming. We fought to our last rounds of ammunition, and when it was over, we held the hill. In the face of death, I saw ordinary Americans become heroes. In our darkest hour, 
When our survival depended on each other, my men and I learned an important lesson. We all bleed red. Our differences did not define us. United, we were unbeatable. After 485 days of combat, I came home eager to enjoy the freedoms I risked my life to defend. But I watched with alarm as the party of my grandfather, a lifelong Union Democrat, turned against the very people it professed to represent. I watched as Joe Biden spit venom at an auto worker who dared to question Joe's intent to dismantle the Second Amendment and take your guns. Where Democrats once stood for hard-working, law-abiding Americans who displayed our flag with pride, this new Democrat Party considers these people uneducated racists clinging to guns and Bibles. The party of Harry Truman became the party of hedge fund managers, Hollywood celebrities, tech moguls, and university professors, all bloated with contempt for middle America. I look across the aisle and I do not see a party that wants you to pursue your dreams. I see a Democrat party that wants to dictate what those dreams are. I don't see a party that wants you to be free. I see a party that wants to chain you to conformity and will destroy anyone they deem a heretic. I swore an oath to defend my country and its constitution. President Trump has sworn to do the same. That's why he's advanced freedom, despite savage political attacks, to overcome the agenda of the radical left. President Trump has unleashed the economic might of this nation like no other president in our history. He triggered the rising tide of working families, brought us energy independence, reclaimed jobs from overseas that, you know, Democrats said would never return. He has fiercely defended the besieged First and Second Amendments. That is just a start. With four more years, imagine what we can achieve by simply working with our president. I believe in our president's vision for the future. I stand here tonight calling on all Americans to join us. It doesn't matter what you look like, who you love, how you worship your gender or your job. If you're a traditional Democrat who's become disillusioned with how radical your party has become, then stand with us. You are most welcome. America needs all her patriots to rush to her defense. My fellow Americans, I promise you this. In our tent, you are free. Free to speak the truth, choose your journey, define your life. You have the power to go as far as you aim, then aim higher and keep going because that is what Americans do. We are idealists and dreamers, lovers of adventure. We're rugged and independent. We don't make excuses. We make the impossible a reality. Think about it. In a century, we went from groundbound dreamers gazing to the stars to doers who created the means to reach them. This is not the time to stand on the sidelines. If you love our country as we do, as our president does, join the chorus of patriot voices that will preserve this exceptional union. Mr. President, lead the way. Millions in our American family believe in this path to destiny. Guide us to that horizon. Thank you, and may God bless the United States of America. come together to imagine a future determined by the shining light of our hopes and values and faith. A country where we are judged by our character with dignity and respect for all.
belief that all are created equal, that lives matter irrespective of race, creed, or color. Committed to excelling beyond our dreams. Four years ago, we faced an historic crossroad. Career politicians promising change every election, but delivering emptiness. We chose a different path. A man who is not a politician. A man who cares. A man who works tirelessly for you. Still, politicians spun their deceptions and obstructed progress, fanning the flames of lawlessness. We all know that it is easy to criticize. It takes a true leader to solve problems. COVID-19, while others criticize without solutions, President Trump's swift action saved lives. And as leading Democrats want to keep businesses closed down, our president is leading the way for a full economic recovery. We are America. We as Americans work together to overcome challenges, write our own stories. America, land of promise, land of opportunity, land of heroes, land of greatness. skills, perseverance, faith, the ingredients of hope when there is no hope. No American should ever be left behind. Priority, freeing American hostages. We have six incredible people who were held hostage by various countries, and I'm very pleased to let everybody know that we brought back over 50 hostages from 22 different countries 
We worked very hard on it, Ambassador O'Brien and others. And I will tell you, we, uh, we're very proud of the job we did. But I'd like to ask maybe uh, Pastor Brunson to say a few words so we can go through and just give us a little history of what happened and how is life treating you. I was held in Turkey uh, for two years. And uh, you took unprecedented steps, actually, to secure my release. And your administration really fought for me. And I, don't, I think if you hadn't done that, I may still be in Turkey. So I'm very grateful. 28 years, right? They had you there we're, for, we're, they had you scheduled for a long time, Andy. Yeah. We had to get you back. And I, I have to say that, to me, President Erdogan was very good. And I know they had you scheduled for a long time, and you were a very innocent person. And uh, he ultimately, after we had a few conversations, he agreed. So we appreciate that, and we appreciate the people of Turkey. And you still appreciate the people of Turkey, I understand, right? We love the Turkish people. We still That's great. Us. It's great to have you back, Andrew. Thank you. Please. Mr. President, thank you for having me. Thank My you. name is Sam Goodwin. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I was held in Syria for 63 days. And uh, I'm, I think I speak for my fellow former hostages and detainees here when I say I'm as grateful as I've ever been for anything to be home safely. And uh, thank you for the invitation and opportunity to be here. Uh, particularly, Ambassador O'Brien was incredibly supportive and helpful to my family. And I uh, can't say enough nice things about him. Thank you for promoting him. Good. And uh, just really happy to be here. So thank you. We got you back. You got me back, yeah. We got you all back. And we have some more that we're working on right now to get back that we better do. Please, go ahead. My name is Michael White, Mr. President. I do, once again, it's an honor to be here, honor to meet you in person. Basically, what had happened with me is I went traveled over to the country of Iran. It turned out it was a major, major trap, and I was uh, apprehended there. I went through a lot in their injustice system, in the Iranian justice system. Iran is an oppressive, extortionist, terrorist regime. You know what I'm talking about. Um, but what you did, sir, is you were able to get me out of that prison record time. It was amazing. Thank you very much. Thank really you, friends. Honors all mine. Please. Yeah, my name is Josh Holt. This is my wife, Tammy. Yes. Uh, we were held hostage in Venezuela for two years. I know very well. <laughs> um, and you, you helped us get out. Uh, Senator Hatch worked with you very well on that as well. Um, and it was a, a great honor to be able to meet you right when we got back. And I remember a lot of people asking, what was it like meeting President Trump? And I just said, I was, I was blown away. I just got released after two years. Then I'm shaking the hand of the President in the Oval Office. I don't really remember a whole lot of it. So it's nice to meet you again. And uh, it's been great. It's been great to be back, helping people through situations that they've gone through. And now we have to start our family. Well, the great people of Utah really wanted me to do something about the two of you, and we were able to do it. And a little bit of a miracle, I think, frankly. It was. Because it was a very hostile period. And uh, we appreciate everybody working so hard with us, but we were able to get you both back. And are you living in Utah now, I hope? We're still living in Utah. That's good. We'll say hello to the folks in Utah because they're great people. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Thank you. Please. I'm Brian there. Spent an unexpected trip there in India. I was not going to India. I was going through India to Nepal, where I've been working for the last 18 years. But on behalf of my family and myself, thank you, uh, President Trump, for getting us out and getting us home. The darkest moment of our whole time together, uh, your letter to my wife came. And it really gave her the hope and the peace. And That's great. From that time forward, as more people got involved, especially the ambassador there, in uh, India, things became more peaceful, and, and the hope uh, was there for the last four months that we really would get to come home because they had planned on keeping me for uh, three to five years. 
the original charge thing was three to five years, right. and that was cleared, and then they came up with new charges to do a seven-year uh, term. Well, India pretty. responded very well to my request, Good. so we appreciate that. We I appreciate, appreciate everything you all did. Thank you all for being with us. We have a few more people we want to get back, and we will get them back, and they'll be back very soon. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Great stories. My name is Maximo Alvarez. I live in Miami, Florida, not far from the state of Florida, which is in just a 90-mile wide blue strip on a map for me. It divides freedom from fear. It divides the past from the present, from the future. I know all about the past. I'll never forget my own. My family has fled totalitarianism and communism more than once. First my dad from Spain, then from Cuba. But my family is done running away. By the grace of God, I live the American dream. The greatest blessing I ever had, my dad, who only had a sixth grade education, told me, don't lose this place. You will never be as well against me. I'm speaking to you today because my family is done abandoning what we rightfully earned. There is no place to hide. I'm speaking to you today because President Trump may not always be politically correct. He's in fact a successful businessman, near your average career politician. Our president is just another family man, a friend. And most important, our elected commander-in-chief who puts America first. Keep in mind the other guy running for president is mostly concerned about power. Yes, yes, power for them, but not for the benefit of all Americans. I'm speaking to you today because I have seen people like this before. I've seen movements like this before. I've seen ideas like this before, and I am here to tell you, we cannot let them take over our country. I heard the promises of Fidel Castro, and I can never forget all those who grew up around me, who look like me, who suffered and starved and died because they believed those empty promises. They swallow the communist poison pill. If you have a chance, go to the Freedom Tower in Miami. Stop and listen. You can still hear the sounds of those broken promises. It is the sound of waves in the ocean carrying families clinging to pieces of wood. Families with children who can swim, but willing to risk everything to reach this blessed land. It is the sound of tears hitting the paper of an application to become an American citizen. Most heard and liked the promises, but soon after, they experienced the reality. Look at them, listen to them, learn the truth. Those false promises spread the wealth Free education, free health care, defund the police, 
trust the socialist state more than your family and your community? They don't sound radical to my ears. They sound familiar. And Fidel Castro was asked if he was a communist. He said he was a Roman Catholic. He knew he had to hide the truth. But the country I was born in is gone, totally destroyed. When I watch the news in Seattle, Chicago, Portland, and other cities, when I see the history being rewritten, when I hear the promises, I've heard echoes, I've hear echoes of the former life I never wanted to hear again. I see shadows I thought I had outrun. My parents only wanted one person to decide my fate, me. Not some party member, not some government official, not some bureaucrat. In America, I would decide my own future. I am so grateful to America, the place where I was able to build my American dream through hard work and determination. President Trump knows that the American story was written by people just like you and I, who love our country and take risks to build a future for our families and neighbors. I may be a Cuban born, but I am 100% American. This is the greatest country in the world. And I said this before, if I gave away everything that I have today, it would not equal 1% of what I was given when I came to this great country of ours. The gift of freedom. Right now, it is up to us to decide our fate and to choose freedom over oppression. President Trump, he's fighting the forces of anarchy and communism. And I know he will continue to do just that. And what about his opponent and the rest of the DC swamp? I have no doubt they will hand the country over to those dangerous forces. You and I will decide. And here's what I've decided. My decision is very easy. I choose President Trump because I choose America. I choose freedom. I still hear my dad. There is no other place to go. Thank you, and may the good Lord bless America. Well, folks, we just heard from Maxima Alvarez, a Cuban-American, talking about his family experience. Um, they're playing a video right now as I speak um, to you um, on this, and uh, we're going to go ahead and correct um, a couple of things that have been said over the last few minutes that are factually inaccurate, and some of them will obviously be factually inaccurate throughout the night, but we're going to present those inaccuracies to you. For example, Congressman Steve Scalise mentioned that this is the lowest 
unemployment rate in over 50 years. The fact is, it's the highest since the Great Depression. In addition, the claim made by Steve Scalise, and we are going to further research this, of course, but he did say that Joe Biden embraced the defunding of the police, whatever that might mean to you. We can discuss that. We have on the show uh, a fact that Joe Biden at no time ever embraced defunding of the police, ever. And another correction, it's been said many times that the president's ban on travel from China has saved thousands, if not millions, of lives. And let's the fact be known that over 40,000 people traveled from China to the United States on aircraft between, or not between anything, but within two months after that ban was put into place. Uh, that being said, let's go back to convention hearing from Nikki Haley. And she called out his Democratic opponent, a former vice president from a failed administration. That ambassador said, and I quote, Democrats always blame America first. The year was 1984. The president was Ronald Reagan. And Ambassador Jean Kirkpatrick's words are just as true today. Joe Biden and the Democrats are still blaming America first. Donald Trump has always put America first. And he has earned four more years as president. It was an honor of a lifetime to serve as the United States ambassador to the United Nations. Now, the UN is not for the faint of heart. It's a place where dictators, murderers, and thieves denounce America and then put their hands out and demand that we pay their bills. Well, President Trump put an end to all of that. With his leadership, we did what Barack Obama and Joe Biden refused to do. We stood up for America, and we stood against our enemies. Obama and Biden let North Korea threaten America. President Trump rejected that weakness, and we passed the toughest sanctions on North Korea in history. Obama and Biden let Iran get away with murder and literally sent them a plane full of cash. President Trump did the right thing and ripped up the Iran nuclear deal. Obama and Biden led the United Nations to denounce our friend and ally, Israel. President Trump moved our embassy to Jerusalem, and when the U.N. tried to condemn us, I was proud to cast the American veto. This president has a record of strength and success. The former vice president has a record of weakness and failure. Joe Biden is good for Iran and ISIS, great for communist China, and he's a godsend to everyone who wants America to apologize, abstain, and abandon our values. Donald Trump takes a different approach. He's tough on China, and he took on ISIS and won, and he tells the world what it needs to hear. At home, the president is the clear choice on jobs and the economy. He's moved America forward, while Joe Biden has held America back. When Joe was VP, I was governor of the great state of South Carolina. We had a pretty good run. Manufacturers of all kinds flocked to our state from overseas, creating tens of thousands of American jobs. People were referring to South Carolina as the beast of the Southeast, which I loved. 
Everything we did happened in spite of Joe Biden and his old boss. We cut taxes, they raised them. We slashed red tape, they piled on more mandates. And when we brought in good paying jobs, Biden and Obama sued us. I fought back and they gave up. A Biden-Harris administration would be much, much worse. Last time, Joe's boss was Obama. This time, it would be Pelosi, Sanders, and the squad. Their vision for America is socialism, and we know that socialism has failed everywhere. They want to tell Americans how to live and what to think. They want a government takeover of health care. They want to ban fracking and kill millions of jobs. They want massive tax hikes on working families. Joe Biden and the socialist left would be a disaster for our economy. But President Trump is leading a new era of opportunity. Before communist China gave us the coronavirus, we were breaking economic records left and right. The pandemic had set us back, but not for long. President Trump brought our economy back before, and he will bring it back again. There's one more important area where our president is right. He knows that political correctness and cancel culture are dangerous and just plain wrong. In much of the Democratic Party, it's now fashionable to say that America is racist. That is a lie. America is not a racist country. This is personal for me. I am the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. They came to America and settled in a small southern town. My father wore a turban. My mother wore a sari. I was a brown girl in a black and white world. We faced discrimination and hardship, but my parents never gave in to grievance and hate. My mom built a successful business. My dad taught 30 years at a historically black college and the people of South Carolina chose me as their first minority and first female governor. America is a story that's a work in progress. Now is the time to build on that progress and make America even freer, fairer, and better for everyone. That's why it's so tragic to see so much of the Democratic Party turning a blind eye towards riots and rage. The American people know we can do better. And of course we value and respect every black life. The black cops who've been shot in the line of duty, they matter. The black small business owners who've watched their life's work go up in flames, they matter. The black kids who've been gunned down on the playground, their lives matter too. And their lives are being ruined and stolen by the violence on our streets. It doesn't have to be like this. It wasn't like this in South Carolina five years ago. Our state came face to face with evil. A white supremacist walked into Mother Emanuel Church during Bible study. Twelve African Americans pulled up a chair and prayed with him for an hour. Then he began to shoot. After that horrific tragedy, we didn't turn against each other. We came together, black and white, Democrat and Republican. Together, we made the hard choices 
needed to heal and removed a divisive symbol peacefully and respectfully. What happened then should give us hope now. America isn't perfect, but the principles we hold dear are perfect. There's one thing I've learned. It's that even on our worst day, we are blessed to live in America. It's time to keep that blessing alive for the next generation. This president and this party are committed to that noble task. We seek a nation that rises together, not falls apart in anarchy and anger. We know that the only way to overcome America's challenges is to embrace America's strengths. We are striving to reach a brighter future where every child goes to a world-class school chosen by their parents, where every family lives in a safe community with good jobs, where every entrepreneur has the freedom to achieve and inspire, where every believer can worship without fear and every life is protected where every girl and boy, every woman and man of every race and religion has the best shot at the best life. In this election, we must choose the only candidate who has and who will continue delivering on that vision. President Trump and Vice President Pence have my support, and America has our promise. We will build on the progress of our past and unlock the promise of our future. That future starts when the American people re-elect President Donald Trump. Thank you, good night, and may God always bless America. Well, folks, we just heard from Nikki Haley. Um, which didn't quite wrap up the Republican convention from last night. There's a couple other uh, speeches as well. Um, uh, Donald Trump Jr. gave a speech. Um, uh, Scott, uh, the senator from South Carolina, is it, gave a speech. They were okay. You can check them out yourselves. What we'll probably do is play them on the highlight reel on Friday's show, and uh, you can tune in then. But I wanted to uh, to uh, continue some discussion here the last few minutes that we have on this show and, and also uh, create some time here to play um, a speech by Donald Trump um, pertaining to Joe Biden. A lot of you might not know, I'm sure most of you do know that Joe Biden was from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, which is my home state, is also Joe Biden's home state. He did spend significant time there uh, of his life early on. Uh, he actually officially moved out of Scranton when he was a kid. Well, he didn't move. His parents moved. When you're 10 years old, you can't say, hey, folks, I'm leaving Pennsylvania. Or as Trump said, uh, he abandoned Pennsylvania. as a 10. Can you abandon a state at 10 years old? I don't know. Can you? Amanda, Cornell, you're both there, right? Let's, <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Let's, uh, let's I, I don't know. Unless, unless you're a runaway. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's take a listen. And he'll remind us that he was born in Scranton. But, you know, he left like 70 years ago, right? He left a long time ago. He wasn't born. You know, I view it differently. He'd say he was born here, but he left when he was like eight, nine, or ten. So he left. Sixty-eight years ago, he left. A long time ago. So I view it differently. He wasn't born here. He abandoned Scranton. Okay? His family had something to do with that, you know, his parents. 
But he loves Scranton. I mean, he keeps talking about, I was born in Scranton. I lived in Scranton, yeah, for a few years. And then he left for another state. You know the state. But the Scranton stuff, that's why I figured I'd come here and explain to you one thing. But I think you people know it better than I do. He left. He abandoned Pennsylvania. He abandoned Scranton. He was here for a short period of time, and he didn't even know it. And today, it's amazing. It goes around in a circle. He still doesn't know it. Okay. But he spent the last half century in Washington selling out our country and ripping off our jobs and letting other countries steal our jobs, Mexico, China. Okay, let me get this straight. He was born in Scranton. His parents took him out of Scranton, but he wasn't born in Scranton. He abandoned Scranton because he was a little kid. His parents took him out. So he abandoned Scranton. He was born in Scranton, but he really wasn't born in Scranton. What? If anybody understands what he just said, call us at 515-608-9888. Okay, please, you got to explain this to me. I'm to me. I I I I kind of you know we have to uh, we have to make sure. Um, so the last time I was at the hospital, uh, probably a year ago, a little less than a year ago, I asked the doctor. I said, "Is there some kind of a cognitive test that I could?" T-? Yes, there is, and you took it. And you were able to repeat a few words back to us, Donald. We're real proud of you, my man. Real proud of you. Born in Scranton, he abandoned. He wasn't born in Scranton. He no, he was born in Scranton, but he was not born. He abandoned it. I'm, I give up. I give up. I give up. I don't know. Uh, I guess I was born in Langston Hospital. I guess I abandoned it too, right? <laughs> you were not born there then. You were. You, when did you? When did you leave the hospital? When I was uh, a baby. <laughs> well, then you, you were not born there then. Okay. <laughs> I want to clear that up right away. Got to clear that up right away. You know, you abandoned you abandoned that hospital. You were not born there. Yeah. You could say you could say no. you were born there. You can say you're born there. Everybody knows. People tell me. Everybody knows. You can say you're born there. Everybody knows you weren't because you abandoned it. So you really weren't born there. Yeah, I just nerve. threw away like. E- yeah, yeah, it was like it was like ET or something like that. You know, somebody grabbed me and put me on a bike and I flew there. <laughs> I don't know. So let's talk about what we heard for the last uh, hour and whatever it was. Um, day one convention. Um, Amanda over there in the UK. What do you think? Anything strike uh, come at you compelling or striking or wow that's really cool I didn't know I had that you know boy goosebumps you know any any anything that was striking to you that was said that we heard I'll be honest it's a lot for me to take in um, yeah. you know with like the, the whole U.S. politics thing uh, I mean any kind of politics is mm-hmm. a lot to take in you got to trust everything that's being said to you. I always tend to sit on the fence with whatever I'm I'm listening to, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I find that way um, I make better decisions. Um, I try not to get emotionally involved with what I'm hearing, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I don't really know what to express on this one, Andy. I mean. What 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 struck me is a couple of things we can go back, but kind of going more recent to part of the in, uh, the speeches we heard. Um, we uh, we heard from the um, 
the gentleman regarding Meadow, his daughter Meadow being shot, which is, which we all knew of at that time after it happened. We heard about this horrific news, um, yes. and how if uh, you know, and he you know he mentioned, well, you know, Trump wasn't president. I know who. No, excuse me. Biden wasn't president. I knew who was. But he said that you know, my daughter was killed. Uh, it didn't make sense to me. I'm like, well, Trump had been president for two years, and the Democratic platform cried for gun control and, and tighter restrictions and making it more difficult for anybody to get a gun and, mm. and to make and to make weapons that are meant to be on a military field to, to severely maim, kill others should not be in somebody's garage. Right. You know, I, I understand yeah. the way to be able to protect your property, the right to own firearms, blah, blah, blah. Uh, understand it. Understand it. But, you know, the, the, the problem there is that guns should be much more difficult to obtain. And yeah. we got to yeah. have some kind of gun. That is what will prevent school shootings. We, I agree we take with that. the guns out of hands that people should not have them. It's yeah. thorough, thorough background. I, 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 think you should go, I think you should go through a psych, psychological test to get a gun. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. Bur- well, well, I don't know. A bird, That's an interesting airplane, point. woman, TV. Yeah. That's what, what <laughs> that's what it is. That's what it is. That's what I'm okay. That's what I should say. You should go through that. <laughs> it's such a fine line, isn't it, with like gun control? Where do you draw the line? I think that's something that's always, um, pardon the pun, triggered me. Uh, because where we don't have guns over here to hear about all the horror stories that go on in the U S with, uh, shootings and how easy it is to obtain a gun, carry a gun, um, use it to defend yourself on your, on your property. I understand the need for it. Mm -hmm. I respect that. I just find it, I guess, a little scary because of, you know, the conditions I've been raised in. Um, Mm -hmm. so I've, like I said, it's fascinating to know where the line could be drawn to make it well, safer I, I, with guns. I think it's great to have a gun to protect yourself and all the phones you license and permitted to have it and all the stuff you never yeah. know. Yeah. But when you just people just basically get into for other situations, that's that's a waste. No, some people buy guns just to go hunt. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. yeah, but yeah, 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 and, and you're right. And but to have an AK-47, a military assault mm-hmm. weapon, what yes. is no, the you mean enough like that? that unless you, you know, unless you're here, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, and why? And, and here, um, I know they, they've clamped down somewhat, but you can buy those weapons here, and gun yeah. collectors say, "This is my right to have this. It's secure. It's in a case. Nobody can get it. I got to unlock a key. It's a collector's item. I want it." And yeah. you know what? You know, I hate to I hate to infringe on that right, but you know something? This was not built for you to have. It's built for a trained mm-hmm. military officer to have. Yeah, and, and therefore it does not belong in your guns. hands. You don't right. have any chance with those type of guns. <laughs> you don't no. Have. No, and and it, they're not meant to be collector's items and sitting in somebody's living room no. or basement, whatever it might be. They're meant to be used you on the battlefield. Like, you know, and there's no excuse for them. Uh, and yeah, that that's what the democratic platform is. Yeah, and this guy yeah. has the audacity to say, uh, well, I knew who the president was when my daughter was killed. Um, it was Donald Trump. And I'm like, uh, okay. 
Hello? And he's been, he was there two years when your daughter was killed with that high, that high school shootout. Wow. Um, and the Democrats cried out when Hillary Clinton was running. One of her strong campaign platform agenda items was gun control, gun control. We've got to stop these school shootings. Schools need to be a, a, safe, a, a safe haven. Parents should have to worry about whether they're going to send their high school their kid to high school, whether they're going to come back alive or not. I mean, come yeah, on. I agree. Yeah, we need to make guns, you know, and I agree. I think if, if, uh, if Cornell, um, you know, you were you were saying the, the cognitive test could be administered, that could really help. I mean, you know, I don't know about yeah. the cognitive Exactly. I don't, you know. Yeah. Do, do you Definitely. think that they will they will provide tighter security in schools where each student is inspected on the way in? They, they have it. You know? They have it already. Yeah. They well, have how it already. would you know? A, a they, 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 they have it. They, they have it already. I know in my own daughter's uh, high school here in, in you know outside of Pasadena, California, they had uh, mm. police officers now, and and they know. And also, like when I would would teach for get a lunch and I would go drop it off, that kind of thing. Uh, they have people outside the building, you know, uh, officers or or people who, if they weren't officers, you knew what. They're they're in plain clothes. They may have not been police officers, but you know what they were there yes. for. Um, yeah. And um, and they do have inspections in some schools, in some cities, in some neighborhoods yeah, around. Who, the country. Hey, Andy, who's to say it's not they can hide it outside? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I mean, I mean, the answer is we've got to have gun control. We got to yes. take the guns out of people's hands who shouldn't have them. That is the answer. Yeah, that yeah. that is the answer. You, you don't yeah. you don't have shoot ups in we're in the UK, do you, man? I mean, you don't ever hear anything about that over there, right? Like, do you or do you? No, 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 not that no. I know of. No, no, no. I mean, no. we um, not long ago, a uh, place where I used to live uh, mm-hmm. up until recently, um, literally towards the end of uh, last year, right down the road from me, some guy got shot. I was like, wow. I mean, yeah. as you can imagine, everybody was like on edge about it in a neighborhood um and it's just an an uncommon occurrence for my town my city um so people were very edgy about that and uh i hear people talking about it about the news did you hear about the guy got shot i said yes it was just down the road from myself and they were panicking about more guns coming into the country that's crazy and it seemed like that's like a good day here. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I know. It's like it's always going on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I that's that's the thing about the US that it's I've always found their way, but you know. That's, yeah, it's always yeah. made me nervous that part, you know, about the gun control and and I I ever ever always thought to myself if I spent a lot of time in the US, how would I feel about it um with the whole gun situation? Hey, um, hey Andy. Andy yep. and um, Amanda, what happened yes. to the uh, the bow and arrow days? You know, what happened to that? <laughs> well, even even to have a bow and, you know, this is it. This so is the answer right here. Yeah. So it's person, <laughs> woman, man, camera, TV. Okay, so that's, that's very good. Bow and arrow. Okay. Oh, oh, we I could even it. go back. We could even go back to the days when they had spears. Yeah, what happened? Bring it back, Andy. Say one more time. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think, uh, you know. So I said, yeah. So it's person, woman, man, camera, TV. Okay, that's very good. 
Yeah. Yes. So what, and if if we were able to say those words, then you should be able to get a gun. Hey, folks, we're going to wrap up our show. We're going to continue our convention covers tomorrow. And Amanda, you'll be joining us again tomorrow from UK, correct? Of course, of course, yeah. And Happy Cornell will see you. Maybe Lloyd will be joining us tomorrow. We'll see. We're going to have uh, uh, some more speeches. I know that Trump was uh, was you know that's happening right now as we do the show, and we'll be taking that uh, the broadcast and, and editing it down the best as best we can to include the most important parts and, of the um, Let me give these guys this um, Instagram, Lloyd. I mean, I keep saying I'm so sorry. At the Andy and Lloyd show on Instagram. Absolutely, yes. check it out, everyone. Check it out. Please do. Please. Amanda, thank you. Cornell, thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Thank you. Oh, that's me. Um, the, <laughs> we'll see, we'll, we'll see you, you all tomorrow. Have a great day and a great night, a great day tomorrow. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Coast to Coast. Thanks for chiming in. We'll see you then. Take care now. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.